Punk's not dead, and neither is New Wave. Join Buzz and Ben on Static Rage, the Punk and New Wave album review podcast. Last year, for Halloween, we did the Misfits. And if you'll remember, when we teased the end of the episode, we mentioned something about, in November, they're coming a fire. Well, it is November, and a fire is coming. I'm Ben. With me, as always, is Buzz. How are you doing tonight, Buzz? I am wonderful, and I'm ready to talk about one of my favorite bands. Right on. If you missed the tease from last year or this year, ironically, right before Halloween, when we also did a Misfits album, uh, we are going to be talking about Samhain, or Samhain, as some people pronounce the, the band, depending on whether you go with the traditional Celtic um, pronunciation or the Americanized version. And we're going to dis- discuss all three of their albums, because why not? Because, of course, why not? So I guess full disclosure, we were originally going to have this be a Halloween episode, but, you know, life gets in the way. For sure it does. For sure it does. Um, so, yeah, let's just jump right into it with Initium, which was released in 1984 at a runtime of 29 minutes and one seconds. was released on Plan 9, produced by Glenn Danzig. The band was Glenn Danzig on vocals and guitar, Erie Vaughn on bass, and Steve Zing on drums and ambiance on the track Initium. And on tracks Black Dream and Macabre and Harbiz, I think The Shift, um, Lyle Presser from Minor Threat uh, played, played on the track as well. And on the track Archangel, um, Al Pike from Reagan Youth actually came in and played a little bit. Um, if you actually listen to that song, there's two bass riffs going. So that was kind of cool. Right on. Um, so for those that have never heard this band before or are like, what is this? I can't believe Glenn Danzig was in another band. Well, for those of you who don't know, this is kind of the bridge from when Danzig left the Misfits and before he started doing his own thing. Um, each album is a little bit different. And while there is a little bit of a difference, um, essentially it's still kind of technically a punk. They're still kind of technically a punk band, but towards the end, they start getting more into death rock, um, which I found interesting. Um, simply because the first album that Danzig puts out is more of a bluesy metal album. So yeah, you know, he's, we just went all over the place with Glenn. So, um, and for those that are wondering, well, how do we really pronounce this band? I've heard it pronounced both ways. I've heard Sam Hain. I've also heard Salen. I will tell you that if you listen to the first song in the shim or Salen, he flat out says Salen like several times. So if you mm-hmm. are confused how to pronounce it, that is the correct, pro- at least that's how Glenn pronounces it. Um, but Gaelic is a fun language and I would, do a whole episode on that, but we're not here to talk about that. So, yeah, I think it depends. I know that when he sings the song, you're right. He does say Salwan. I uh, and maybe not, but I've I've heard interviews with other band members where they say Samhain. So whatever. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever heard him mention the band in any of the interviews I've heard with him. And it's really kind um, of a shame because it is like, and I get why, because the Misfits were 
I mean, they're one of those bands kind of like Nirvana where they got so popular despite uh, relative to the amount of output that they had because of the cultural influence. Yeah, they're, um, it, it's, it's interesting because I, for the longest time, didn't know about this band. And I was, I was in high school. Like, I was probably – I was either 15 or 16. And I, the first time someone had mentioned them, I was like, what the hell is that? And then they're like, oh, yeah, Glenn Danzig is in it. I'm like, the fuck do you mean Glenn is in it? Um, so I was actually not able to listen to Initium until my senior year because, lo and behold, there's a – store called Hastings that used to be around, um, which I don't I don't know if they've like completely gone out of business or if it's just here in town, but they were like a multimedia uh, center and there was a sound CD sitting there and I thought, holy shit, this is that band I've been hearing about. So I got it and took it home and I was like, wow, this is this is genius. Um save a few minor little gripes about the production quality. It was actually pretty awesome. So um it's almost like they're less lesser known <clears throat> and with the advent of the internet and youtube etc it's easier to find this out now but it's almost weird and surreal in a way going from this band was a relatively unknown possibly even you know underground type thing and all of a sudden like people know who they are now so yeah. when when we talk about this tonight if you're getting into this or if it's your first foray or if you're a lot younger than us and you go yeah well i listened to this on youtube like six years ago put yourself in the position of someone that did not have access to the internet that did not know this thing existed and going holy crap you know this this kind of middle band exists um so just kind of keep that in mind when we speak about this tonight yeah and like my listening to it was i'd heard some of the tracks before the box set came out, but I didn't really get to listen to all of it until the box set came out. And I don't remember what year that was, but I, I remember picking it up. Um, I think it was after the Misfits box set. But be that as it may, like I said, um, as we talk about these, um, if you do go listen to them, even on the box set, the production is kind of shit. Um, I, I would love to hear some of these tracks live. I've never gotten to see glenn and any of the various incarnations of his band's live um i know that there have been a a couple of times when Sawin didn't like a show or at least he played tracks from the band at live shows um i would love to hear that because the sound quality would be so much better because i do think that there is uh, some good stuff here but man the uh, the production values on these are worse than any of the misfits stuff and i know some of those have been remastered and i wish that glenn or somebody would remaster these and maybe the the tapes aren't in good enough condition to or whatever, but be that as it may. Yeah, this is um, this is why when I mentioned the production quality, this is probably my biggest issue with uh, the incarnate this incarnation is it's just not there. Um, and I'm I'm kind of like with you, Ben. I think some of the tapes might have been damaged because when you're hearing this stuff played, it's almost like there's a fuzz in the background, but it's not like a it's certainly like like a like a like a guitar fuzz like when you're hitting your yeah. it, it's it's something else man it's like something else is going on and it's just like permeating and it's not in a bad way it doesn't take anything away from it but it's almost like man this would be so much better if it was more clear holy crap you know why couldn't they go back and do this um now to your point again the wonders of the internet being what they are there was a few times that glenn went uh back and got together with Erie Vaughn and uh, a few other people that played in this band 
and they did a kind of what he did in 2012 and 2013 where he went out and did a whole bunch of misfit stuff mm-hmm. we brought doyle on stage and did like a 30 minute misfit set he did i want to say the same thing in 2014 where he brought these guys back in the middle of his set he just was like hey we're going to bring out my my sound mates do a whole bunch of like sound songs um and so having seen some of those live kind of makes me sad because i'm like man you know and nothing no disrespect to glenn but i would have loved to see this when you were younger like like when you still had like were like like a body you know bodybuilder and everything and very uh very aggressive like in the young days like man this would have been so cool to see but you still get to hear him sing on it and so it's like cool I, i can at least get that feeling of what it would have been like if i could have seen him when you know he was in his late 20s totally yeah and you know you you make a good point about when you mentioned Lyle Pressler coming in and playing guitarist on this, but Glenn is credited as the guitarist on the other tracks, so all the tracks, including the, some of the ones that Lyle is on. And Glenn, not a bad guitarist. I mean, that shouldn't be a revelation, but you know, I just don't associate him with playing guitar. I associate him with playing keyboards or the organ, if anything. I feel a lot of it was he just at the, at the time when he formed this, and again, this is just a, this is an assumption. This isn't this isn't me saying this is for sure what's happening. Uh, I feel like a lot of it is he just wanted to go ahead and start, and he already had a guitar and he already had to play, and he just found someone that played bass and drums. Like, hey, you guys want to be in a band? Cool, let's go write some stuff real quick and and put it out there. Um, I feel like that's what happened. Um, oh again, God. I could be wrong, but that's 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 why I feel like happened. I think you're probably right on that. I know that I've always heard that this was meant to be a side project, but then after the, you know, he disbanded the Misfits and became his, his full-time gig until, like you said, he transitioned to Danzig. And another piece of info, um, the last album that the Misfits put out, Earth AD, was actually supposed to be Samhain. So all those songs on Earth AD were supposed to be this band. And I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. Well, that's kind of funny because a couple of tracks on this album were supposed to be uh, misfit songs. So, yep, and <laughs> which, I what, guess... which is what's going to happen when like the main dude writes everything, you know? So, oh yeah, yeah, you, you figure well, this is my intellectual property. I wrote this, so I'm going to re-record it. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, that's the one thing to take away from this is just it's very um, the production does kind of suck on this, so it's keep that in mind but with that said i the playing isn't that terrible i mean it, it's like it's kind of like hearing the misfits but without yeah the i guess the energy i guess is a good way to put it like it's a little bit darker um definitely though, darker even though this is more of a punk band i've heard it just i've heard Salon described as less like comic book comic bookish um uh horror punk like the misfits were and more like in the dark pagan um occultish feel and of course on this album you know, we, we sometimes people don't like talking about album covers i always do because especially the older albums that you can kind of get a sense of like what the band was going for uh first off the the danzig skull is above the names the word salon which of course will eventually become danzig symbol but it's glenn eerie and uh and Steve all covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> like staring, staring angrily at you. So I'm like, if that's any indication of what this band is like, and back in 1984, that was probably a big deal. So probably so I can imagine. So let that set the tone because that's pretty much what, and, and we get to the other albums on here. We're going to talk about tonight. I'll, I'll go over them as well, but that's, that's the tone. We've gone away from this, like 
kind of catchy. Yeah, it was never really safe to begin with, but it wasn't exactly evil in quotations. This is moving more towards something like you might hear from, say, Merciful Fate or Gorgoth, stuff like that. I mean, you're 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 almost like, wow, maybe he, maybe this guy really is a Satanist. I don't know, um, but that's that's the feeling I get when I listen to these. Well, it's it's much more, and I agree with you in that this one sounds the closest to a Misfits album of the three. Um, and we've covered that. I mean, a lot of the stuff, like I said, was written to possibly be on Misfits. So it was written like in 81 or 80. Um, and it's just seeing the light of day in 84. But I do, uh, I think that the sound while being close, you can see the energy, but it's also kind of going away from like the early rock and roll slash rockabilly thing. Not that like the Misfits were a rockabilly band, but it was very much like rock and roll sound. Um, what I mean by that, I mean like Elvis and Roy Orbison and that kind of stuff. Whereas this is a step away from that, a much more contemporary early '80s sound, without being new wave or anything like that, but still very punk. Um, I really feel like you can see his appreciation for other hardcore punk acts like Black Flag and stuff like that on here, because it also has little elements of that as opposed to uh, the camp and vigor of the Misfits. Though. Yeah, and, and that's something to, to take away as well. It's also, you, could all, you can also listen to it and know that it's slowed down a little bit, whereas mm -hmm. the Misfits were getting like actually a little bit faster towards the end and more aggressive. The aggressiveness is still there, but it's not quite as fast-paced, with the exception of uh, two songs on here. Um, but for the most part, it's slowed down a little bit, and it's almost it almost has I'm not gonna call it doom metal, but it has like a doom metal feel where it's almost like it's gearing up towards something, and you're just like, okay, what's coming? What's coming? And it never really reaches that point. Um, that's that's the feel I always got for it. Uh, yeah, I'd say that that's probably appropriate. Um, I mean, I think that the musicianship on this particular album is solid. It's not spectacular. I know I said that he was pretty decent on guitar, uh, but that's just because I don't associate him with it. It was fine. It got the, the there's no virtuosity. I'll, I'll play that. There's not like blistering solos or really complex drum beat patterns or bass intricacies. It's all just meat and potatoes, punkish, rockish stuff that is very good, very solid. It's a giant rhythm section, is what that's I feel. True. Yeah, it's like one big rhythm section throughout. That's not a bad thing, but that's exactly what to expect. Yep, yep. Um, do we want to talk about tracks of this one? I think we do. Um, let's just go down through the tracks, and then we'll kind of discuss that as we go. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go first on this one. Um, I think that. All of these have their own charm. There are a couple that stick out to me more than others, but they're all pretty good. Um, with the initiate, Initium Sawin, the opener, I think that's really good. Black Dream, all murder, all guts, all fun. That's fantastic. Um, he Who Cannot Be Named, the closer for the first side, great. Horror Biz, The Shift. My favorite track on here, though, is Archangel. I love that song. It just kind of... Breaks my heart a little bit that it's so hard to to hear the vocals on it. I'm glad you brought that up. So that is my favorite Salon song, period. Same. Um, and 
I, I feel like if he had not included it on this album, if it had been on album three, I probably would just be like, uh, it's okay, and moved on. But um, the three that stick out to me the most, <clears throat> well, the four, I should say, um, because I do think the title track, Sal, one's actually pretty badass. Um, Black Dream was okay, but to me, it didn't doesn't really pick up until you hit He Who Cannot Be Named. That is That felt like a Misfit song. Like mm-hmm. that, that felt very much like very punk, um, just very fast paced. Uh, it, if it's almost like I could see Jerry and Doyle like playing with him on that, like that's 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 always what it evoked for me. Um, contrary to what a lot of people think, I did not like this version of horror business. Um, I don't hate it, but it's just not, and it might be because I'm so used to the Misfits version, but it just it was slowed down too much a little bit. Um, while Archangel is my favorite song on here, um, I really like The Howl. There's, it's mm-hmm. a very dark song when you read about it lyrically, and it's very much, uh, it's very violent, it's very gory, and I'm like, yeah, this, this is, this is me. And all I could think of is, okay, Glenn, are you trying to be a demon or a werewolf? Because I, I'm, I'm getting mixed <laughs> signals here. Because we go from The Howl to Archangel, and I'm like, okay, well. This is clearly about the fall of Satan, and that's what you're trying to emulate right now. And this is a badass song. But yeah. The song before you were talking about being a werewolf. So what the fuck? Which one is uh, it? I mean, he, he returns to that topically a lot and the fall of Satan. Okay. Um, yeah. And to your comments about Horbiz, I do prefer the Misfits version, but I like this one too. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. It's just if it's something that if that's probably the one thing that for me I usually skip unless I'm just like, no, I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Sure. Um, yeah, Archangel. It's cool thing about Archangel, man, is you've actually got two bass bass players on that album, and then Glenn on guitar. And let me explain how simple of a song this is. Glenn is only playing two chords. Mm-hmm. He's not playing three. He's playing two. Everything else is a every, the entire composition of the song is a very bass driven song. It's very simple, and I think that's why I like it because you pay more attention to the lyrics <clears throat> rather than you do. Um, the string playing and towards the end there's a like a little bit of a kind of solo if i had to nick that at all i'd say you could probably cut the two minute weird solo thing at the end out because that didn't i don't think really add anything to the song um but it's very it's very fitting it's very glenn i mean the, the way he's he's just screeches out Archangel! like really fucking loud that's so fucking badass you've got to listen to it if you like nothing else, just listen to it a couple of times, man. It's it's so fucking cool. Yeah, that is a uh, a punk shadow on chorus for sure. So, and the version I have actually had in Holy Passion at the end, but I understand that not all not all versions had that. So I'm gonna wait and talk about that when we get to the next album. Um, the version I listened to did have it, but you're right, not all of them do, depending on when it was pressed, uh, what, which release it was. Um, do we want to just grade them all at the end or want to grade them as we go along? Uh, let's grade them all as we go along because otherwise I might forget about talking about something. Okay. Um, so for this one, I'm going to give this one a B plus because I, I, I really enjoy this. It's not perfect by any means, but you know, it is incredibly solid all the way around. Um, it is, Looking at it, listening to it, 
in hindsight, which is kind of a mixed metaphor, but you get what I'm saying. You can hear the misfits, but you can also hear Danzig. So it's a really interesting inflection point of Glenn at a crossroads in his musical um, career. So my two grade system, um, first off, musically, it's not, it's just okay. Um, if I was just judging this just based on music and music alone and not the genre, not anything else, just going and saying, hey, musicianship, production, um, it's actually going to get a C- minus for me. Um, however, because I like this band, because I like Glenn, because I like the lyric content, because I like the feel of this album, because I like the pacing, that's another important part. Um, it, I'm giving this an A minus, and the reason it's an A minus, not a B plus, is because Archangel is that badass of a song that gets a fucking bump for me. That is a great song, and that's that's how I view this. All right, so now we'll go to their second studio album, Saw One Three, November Coming Fire, released in February of 1986. Also on Plan 9, runtime of 28 minutes and 30 seconds, produced again by Glenn Danzig. The personnel on this one are Glenn Danzig on vocals, keyboard, drums on tracks 1, 4, 6, 8, and 11. Harry Vaughn on bass, guitar, and backing vocals. Pete Damian Marshall on guitar and backing vocals. And London May on drums on the tracks that Glenn didn't pay drums on. <laughs> so, which were like... Two, three, five, seven, and nine. So, in my grip, Mother Mercy, to walk the night, Halloween two, and Kiss of Steel. I, I, maybe I'm missing something. Do we skip a? Do we skip the the second EP? Yes, because I I only listen to the studio albums, not the EPs. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Not a problem. Then I will talk about Silent Three. That's cool. That's why I listen to everything. Sure. Uh, so yeah. Um, right off the bat, this is a better album than Silent One. Like definitely. leaps and bounds. Like by this time, by the time this album drops, you can definitely see where which direction uh, Glenn is going in. It's a much better produced album. Um, the album cover again i like to talk about that um i actually initially wanted to do this one by on its own but i thought we should do all three of them um simply because as i've said before salon means november in gaelic well what's cool about this is on the album cover you have a big ass bonfire and it's three skeletons three of which are human one one is kind of demonic which that skull is actually taken from a a comic book and i cannot mm -hmm. remember the name of the comic book at the moment um but it's very evil looking. It's essentially evoking this image of dark, evil, what everyone assumes to be like a negative pagan idea, ideal, um, dancing around a bonfire on Halloween night, on Samhain night to keep the dead away. Only this time they're actually bringing the dead in. That is essentially what that album cover invokes, and that is what this album invokes to me. 100%. And uh, I just looked it up. It's the Saga a Cry Star from a Marvel comic from 1980 is where the skull comes from. So yeah, we that's that's two things from popular culture that Glenn has adopted. First being the Crimson Ghost from Cyclotrodex and from the 1940s and from Crystar. Well, and there's a third here too, honestly, because I mean, if you look at the the, the script uh, and the Danzig script, they're all ripped off, and I can't remember what movie those that's from. Yeah, it's it's pretty much like they. 
a very punk thing to do. Like we're gonna take this, gonna take this one thing, kind of make it our own, but we're not gonna say we came up with it. We're just gonna adopt it. Yeah. So I I, I agree with you on all that. I do think this is a better album. Not to get too far ahead of it, um, it sounds better. I think the adding, um, bringing in the other musicians helped out. Um, not that it changed the sound a tremendous amount, but this is this is much more rock than it is punk. A uh, little bit of metal. I think it's technically called death rock, whatever the fuck that means. Um, so. But I don't think any of the songs on here, as much as I love Halloween too, and again, this is one of those instances where I prefer the Misfits version as opposed to this version, even though I like this version. Um, I don't think any of the, the tracks on here are as good as Archangel. What's and that's Ryan. That's that's Ryan with this. Um, it, all the songs on here are good. They're just not great. So mm. there's, it's kind of weird. Um, I think you know when we talked about the Misfits album we did last, American Psycho, where I said, I jokingly said we should take you know American Psycho and Famous Monsters and like shove them together and like take out some of the songs that weren't that good and keep the ones that were great. Kind of like how here, like I wish we could just mesh these together because you'd have a much like stronger album at that point. Yeah. Um, um, but to your point, you mentioned uh, Death Rock. For those that don't know, Death Rock is kind of hard to put down sometimes um essentially what it is though is it's a more punk style of goth that is less it's more rock infused rather than what we consider post-punk or goth um it, it's more it's more aggressive in a way um and I, I could go on to that i'm not going to uh sit here and do this all night but that's essentially something to think about if you're kind of confused on what we mean by death rock just I hate to say it, but use the internet. It's there's a whole there's a whole plethora of information out there that you know, get better than what we can do in a you know ten fifteen minute episode on this. Sure, it's it's just one of those things that that's one of those genres, and there are a lot of genres like this that I think it doesn't necessarily need to be made because like if the the main thing and I agree with you is that it's just kind of like a um, a heavier goth then okay well that's fine you're not wrong but does that really need to be its own distinct subgenre but anyway that we could argue about that all night we could and that would just get boring so yeah, yeah. um I, while there's no song that really sticks out to me the two the well the three that do that, that stick out to me the most is ralph the bat mother mercy's i think probably the best song on this album um to walk the night is another one that i really enjoyed and uh november's fire has always been pretty badass and the rest of them were good they just weren't they weren't like anything memorable um to me this is an album you kind of listen to the whole thing and you kind of use it like background noise um but in a good way uh there's there's nothing that really kind of makes me go hey if i had to, if i had to pick a salon album to get someone and tell them like hey listen to this album or this song while I like this album as a whole better, I'd probably give them the first Salad album first and just be like, hey, here, listen to some songs off that. Yeah, I think you're, I agree with you on all of that as well. I mean, I would say both of these albums, Initium and this one, just fucking put them on and take the ride because they're under 30 minute albums, both of them. Um, and, you know, you can listen to them. Well, 
playing Call of Duty or Modern Warfare or washing your dishes or whatever. Uh, but to the tracks, I agree with you. Uh, the, the three that you picked out are the three that I would pick out as well. I really love Mother Mercy, but I like November Aspire a lot too. So which one of those I think is the best probably flip-flops a little bit depending on when I'm listening to it. But again, all of these are pretty great. I want to give Diabolos 88 a shout-out as the opener because I, I do enjoy that one as well. So it, the the thing about To Walk the Night is it, it, it slows down all of a sudden. It feels more, if you've ever heard of the Black Aria, which is what uh, Glenn put out a few years after he started Danzig, which we might actually go over on here. I don't know if we will or not, but it reminds me a lot of that because it slows down that much. And there's that almost sinister feel to it, the way the mm -hmm. music is done um, mm -hmm. to where it's, it's like, okay, I was listening to a, a punk or death rock album. And all of a sudden it just, it stopped and became the midnight syndicate with like good lyrics and decent <laughs> music. What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah. I would, I would actually suggest like that, that be a good background noise for like, like a World of Darkness game, like if you're playing like Vampire the Masquerade or Real the Apocalypse, I'd probably put that on there just because it fits the it fits that uh, that game's setting so well. Yeah. But um, yeah, it just it all of a sudden changes, and then then let the day begin starts, and it's like you're back to being quick again. You're like, oh hey, okay, I guess we were listening to a rock album. Okay, that's cool. Um, I, I think that's why I liked it so much because it was so different, and it just it wasn't it wasn't different in a bad way. It was different in a okay, this is. This is kind of pretty badass, all right? For sure. Um, the only thing I would add to that is that it's it's always golf night at the Seculus Club, so I'm sure some of these tracks are spinning. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I, I'm like you. I I just take both albums and play them back to back. Yeah. Or or I would do I would do the DJ the Dick DJ thing and be like, we're gonna take some songs off this one, some songs off this one, and I'm gonna put them out of order, and we're just gonna play them. Indeed. Um, to grade this thing, uh, I think it's better than Initium, so that means I have to give it an A minus. I'll go with A minus. All right, my two grades. So, musicianship production, so much better. This is getting a B plus for me. It still has a little bit of that. It sounded like someone recorded it in their bathroom. Um, there's almost too much echo at times. It's not a bad thing, but it's definitely there. Um, so it's getting a, a B minus for me on that. When it comes to what the feeling is, if you take it and go, I'm going to like certain, take certain songs individually, then I would give it a lower grade. However, I'm taking this as an album. Um, much as we've said in the past, certain albums need to be more of what you would call an experience. I'm actually going to put that in, put this album in that, and that phrase, I think this is more of an experience. You kind of have to listen to the whole thing to understand like why people like it so much. Um, but it is a better album, so it teeters on B plus A minus. I probably would give it a A minus, um, just because of the fact that it's the whole. I'm considering the whole album and not just one or two songs that kind of bump it. Yep. All right, uh, that brings us to the final descent. Uh, 
which was released in 1990, October 31st of 1990 to be specific, uh, runtime of 33 minutes and 32 seconds, originally reached on Plan 9, again produced by Glenn Danzig. The band was Glenn Danzig on vocals, guitar, and drums, Erie Vaughn on bass, John Christ on guitar, and Chuck Biscuits on drums on Death in Its Arms. So if you pay close attention, you'll notice that that is all the people who were in Danzig. Um, there's a reason for that, because a lot of this was recorded like during, or some of this, let me back up, some of this was recorded during the recording of Danzig 2. A lot of this is also from the EP that Buzz was mentioning, the uh, Unholy Passions EP, which they then took and re-released as a part of this album. And if you're wondering why it goes from Salon 1 to Salon 3, they actually they consider the Unholy Passion EP as technically a Salon 2, but mm -hmm. um, that is where the confusion comes in at. Um, so Final Descent is cool. Um, it is definitely more Danzig than Salon, though. I, that's I, I, that's what I'm going to say. It's almost like you get that feel of this is like the last final straw before he was like, nope, I'm just going to play metal. I'm not even going to try to play punk anymore. Um, there's a little bit of that last little angst that's right there at the very end um, when you start moving down some of the songs. Mm -hmm. um, the first, of course, the first five songs on here, Night Shield Descent, Death in His Arms, Lord, Lords of the Left Hand, and The Birthing are all original to this album. Everything else is taken off the EP. Um, if you are listening to the 2001 release, there's actually three songs on there that I think you should need to pay attention to. Um, of those three are their version of Twist of Cain, their version of Possession, and holy shit, he did an Elvis song. Um, because, Way before he did the Elvis Covers album. Yeah, and I was like, oh, why didn't you do this when you were younger, Glenn? This was, oh, dude. Dude, this was so good. Trouble. It was. It was so good. He covered Trouble, and it was so good, and I'm like, why? Why, Glenn? Why did you wait so long? Why yeah. did you not do this when you were still like in your like late 20s, early 30s? What are you doing? Um, and the reason I bring those up is their version of Twisted Cane and Possession sound nothing like um, the Danzig 1 versions. They're actually faster. They're sped up a little bit. Um, they're a lot more aggressive, even though the lyrics are... The, and Well, I shouldn't say they're the same. Um, because in Twisted Cane, when it gets to the point of you know, spread it out, he says in the original, uh, spread out from his forehead to the ground. This one, he actually says spread out from his temple to the ground. So there's a few things that change on that. Um, this yeah. is one example, but... Um, it's almost like a demo tape, but in a good way. It's almost like I could still have, I would have been okay with this if it had been on that album. But at the same time, I'm glad that they changed it because it wouldn't have fit. Um, so that's what I would, I would point towards people to do is like, hey, you should go listen to that and give that a, give that a quick listen to as well. Um, I think the timing was interesting though because this came out. Fuck, this is 1990 when it got released, so yeah. I mean, Danzig 1 was, what, 88, I think? Yes. And Danzig 2 was... Also 90. It was released the same year. 90? Okay, so yeah, it's, it's about... It's just, it's interesting that, oh, they released this after Danzig was kind of a household name, because let's... I know this is getting off topic, but everyone knows the song Mother, because that's what plays on the radio all the fucking time. That song is what got him popular, and... Well, it did, but that didn't become a huge song until like '93, I think. Went live like '93 or '94. Yeah. yeah, but I remember. I mean, I remember as a kid, like being 
that can, like in first grade, I remember hearing it on like 103.3 KDFM in Nashville, like at, at night, like I remember hearing it going, what is this? You know, this is not like the metal stuff I listen to. Um, but it's, it, it's, that's, and that's what I get at. It's like, the, it's weird that this came out. Um, they got released after his first album. And I don't know if this was just because he knew who his fans were and was like, this is like my final love letter to you guys. And from here on out, sorry, it's not going to be like this anymore. I, I don't know if that's what's happening, but I kind of got the feeling like that's what it was. Yeah. I, and I don't know. Like I said, I have the box set. Um, and I don't remember it saying anything about why that, why this was, they decided to release this. Um, and by they, I mean Glenn, because like I said, he produced it. This is all his stuff. It was on his record label that it came out originally. Um, so I'm not really sure, but I, I do think that since there wasn't an official goodbye from the Misfits, this was his way of saying goodbye to this band. I do think you're probably right there. And I have heard it said um, that after his 2014 shows that he would no longer do any Salon stuff live. I don't know if he's ever going to get back and doing it again. Um, I know that because he's doing live shows now with Jerry and Doyle, while they're not touring extensively like I wish they would, um, they are doing those live shows at least. So at least we're getting that. Um, but yeah, if you get bored, you want to go on YouTube and just, you know, type in like Salon live, half of the videos that are going to pop up are going to be from that 2014 tour. Yeah. So at least you can kind of get an idea of like, Hey, this is what it would have been like if I could have been there. Um, also funny story. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I was trying to pick up the, the Salon box set. Um, I was uh, at, we were at the PX in Fort Campbell and I had it in my hand cause I thought the box cover looks so fucking cool. And this is before they started like letting, putting the, well, they had the warning labels, but it's before they really started enforcing it. And the reason I'm bringing this up is the box set for Salon is this like naked girl in the front with skull face and you can clearly tell she's naked. So here I am, you know, seven-year-old Buzz walking up with, with this box in my hand trying to check out and like my mother like looking at, looking at it with this morbid expression like ripping out of my hands and smacking me and I go back to thinking, man, if I could have just gotten out of there, I could have had that fucking box set because now these things are like stupid expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, ah, oh, I remember trying to pick that up and I wasn't allowed to. No. So <laughs> that's <laughs> that was that was kind of my upbringing with that. But yeah, I could have I could have had something cool and you know it didn't happen. But at least there's the internet. So there's that. Sure. Internet has saved the day once again. For sure. Um yeah, I guess we kind of talked about tracks on here. I don't think that there's anything necessarily that I want to to add about that. Um, so I guess let's go to grade it. So musically, it's it's going to mimic a lot of Sound Three. The production was actually very good on it. Um, it. It essentially took the EP that was harder to get and kind of made it into this album. Um, because truth be told. Um, Title six through eleven is the Unholy Passion EP. It, yeah. it, it is so. 
Um, it's cool because All Hell Breaks Loose is on there. This call All Hell. So that was a Misfits song too. Again, it wasn't as good as the Misfits version, I don't think. None of the songs really stuck out to me as great. They're not bad, but they're okay. Um, the 2001 release is why I'm why I would not mind having a, ver- a version of this. And it's because of the songs that I mentioned. Twist of Cain, Possession, and Trouble are just fucking amazing. Um, mm. So if you could find this like a you know a cheap rate, I'd probably pick it up. I wouldn't spend a whole lot of money on it, but I mean it's it's worth like twenty thirty bucks if you can find it. Um, so musically, uh, this is getting an A minus for me. Um, as far as how it feels, you know how punk is it? How aggressive is it? Blah blah blah. It's actually going to get an A for me, and it's because of those three songs I mentioned. Like that, that to me is what brings it from an A minus to an A. Um, it's just it's badass. Um, listen to it, give it a listen. You know, you, your your mileage is of course going to vary. Maybe you completely disagree with me, but that's what my feeling of it is. It's like that. It's just a very good last send off before Danzig just became Danzig and not his prior bands. Right. So I'm going to diverge a little bit here from Buzz on my grading, which doesn't happens quite often, and it's only because like I only give the one grade, and the grade that I'm going to give is a specific version. I'm going to give it the 1990 version, which it doesn't have those three tracks that he was talking about, um, Twisted Cane, Possession, and Trouble, which I co-sign are fucking excellent versions. Um, so I'm going to give it a B overall. And a lot of that is because it does feel to me a little bit disjointed. I like the fact that it has uh, the Unholy Passions EP on it because those are cool songs. Um, And I'm glad that they were officially released, quote unquote, on an album as opposed to just being an EP because EPs usually don't have as much of a print run as albums do. Um, But with the inclusion of those three songs in the 2001, I think it was, re-release, um, then I would agree that I would bump the grade up because those songs are so great. But like for as it was initially conceived and released, I'm going to give it a B. Cool. So for those that don't know, that pretty much wraps up our Halloween part two uh, show. And I'm actually kind of glad we're talking about this because technically it's Halloween season still until about the middle of November. So keep that in mind for all those that don't know that. That's uh, the Halloween season actually, or the Salwin season roughly goes until about the second second week or so in November. So you still got your decorations up. You're okay. You're not far behind. It is not Christmas time yet. We all need to put Mariah Carey back in her coffin, and she can sleep for another few weeks. Indeed. All right. So, Ben, what are we talking about next week? You know, next week I think we may have to uh, take a trip someplace south. Someplace south. Um, well, let's see. We we're talking about Samhain and evil. Would we be going straight to hell? We could very well be. And nothing's slowing us down. Nothing at all. So just go ahead and give me one more round. <laughs> Indeed. If you caught that reference, good for you. If you didn't, you will find out what we're talking about next week. Because we'll have something completely different than what we've talked about so far. Well, kind of. That artist has uh, performed with Mr. Danzig quite often. Uh, he has. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, it's. Uh, it may not be what some of you are expecting, but when we start talking about certain things that he's done, I'm sure you, it'll make sense while we're covering him on yeah. this podcast. For sure. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening to us talk about Solomon, and we will catch you next time. Happy Halloween part two. <laughs>